Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, Dick Warren, and thank you, dear listener, for joining us for another edition of The Coaching Show. Uh, that there is Alex Terranova, professional certified coach. Alex, say hi to the people. Hi, people. What's up, people? Oh, my dog's saying hi to people, too. There she goes. This is professional podcasting, man. We're not supposed to have animals in the studios. Um, oh, is it a service animal? <laughs> oh my Are you God. having trouble staying up with me today? Oh, my God. You know what's funny? I went to a place the other day, and they said, is it a service animal? And we said, would you like it to be one? And they said, if... If you'd like to bring it inside, we would like it to be one. Then we went, all right. <laughs> See, this is, this is, oh, this is so annoying to me. We're going to talk about that. Uh, I am Groot. I am uh, Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Uh, we're bringing you uh, people that you need to know about each and every week on this here podcast. What's, uh, what's been on your mind lately, Mr. Terranova, Coach Terranova? I, I am uh, I'm I'm failing publicly and outwardly. Uh, my my one-on-one -on -one retreat that I have been trying to give away is yeah not gone how I would have expected, and I'm sort of loving the fact that it is. You know, obviously I wanted it to go the way I wanted it to go, but it's not, and I'm actually loving the way I'm like being about it, and that I'm relating to it as hey, it's just like one of those things that we try. We throw out one of those things. It works. It doesn't work. We try again. We adjust. Um, so I thought I would have been beating myself a lot more, but that's beating myself up a lot more about it. But that's what's been going on. And I followed your suggestion and I still didn't improve. So what's that about? Wow. The um, So the the just for people who may not know what you're talking about, like most people, the uh, the thing we're talking about is Alex had this massively successful uh, attempt. Was it just last year where you did this sort of a version of some TV reality game show thing where you decided you were ready for a big deal relationship and you went out and created a, a love adventure where you had other people in your life, your friends choose from applicants. You had a bunch of women apply. God knows what they were thinking. And um, and to go away with you on a date, and then you got to know them and sort of uh, interviewed, and then through a series of sort of interviews and and screening procedures, and then finally your friends chose the person for you to go. And you've been in a relationship for how long now? What time is it? The I guess since like October. Nice yeah, since October, you... and we she moved in. And it's amazing. And the relationship is incredible. And then we launched, and then we launched a business. We launched this for other people. And we had we have three women who are now embarking on the same love adventure. Uh, not not the same love adventure together. No, no, no but to their own their own creation with our coaching and support. Although and that's an excellent all, idea. All of these women had male male applicants, some of them extraordinarily impressive human beings. And their friends also picked through were, were impressed and have been and have already moved some of these men on to like the, the finalist round of getting to meet these women. Wow. So, you know, right now I'm, a, I'm one for one and I'm trying to stay 100% successful. That's right. 
And that's, and that's really the thing, because you're a creative guy, you're always coming up with different ideas. And this idea, what you what you chose was to do something similar for clients. So you offered this sort of uh, deep dive three day getaway to Palm Springs, all expenses paid for someone who would apply to be your client. And then you, I think your idea was you would screen them and create a winner, right? Yeah, it was basically like, hey, if this worked in dating, why can't it work in another in area? So I just right. applied it to another area in my business. And this and time, not so good. No, not as many applicants or tougher to screen or what? It's, what's it, yeah, it doesn't, it just hasn't like sexy, sex and love is sexy. <laughs> like, you not know, client, it, client's not so, not so such a sexy term, <laughs> sure. but it, it hasn't, I, I think there's still something there. I think there's a, there's something still to play with, but it hasn't landed the way I fired it out of the cannon. It didn't land where I wanted it to land. Yeah. And, it, and I just haven't got the, resp- I haven't even gotten the, the energy reciprocated back in a way that I was hoping for. Well, you have arrived on a perfect day because our guest is all about taking chances and being creative in uh, not only her business, your business, but everyone's business. So I think that we should get her in here and uh, talk about, as we do each and every week, your problems with an expert. Um, uh, Do you want the honor of introducing the great and powerful Michelle or shall I? I think you shall. I have known Michelle Aiken for almost a decade. Is that true? Wow. Uh, Michelle Aiken uh, actually was originally when I knew you, you were a, you were internet famous. You were a YouTube sensation. You did video production, improv comedy. You've done lots of things in, uh, in the world and were well known. However, came to coaching and you loved it. You took to it. You've been amazing as a coach and a leader. You're a senior program leader, a master certified coach, and you've led a coach training program since 2013. You're an extraordinary human being, amazingly and in, in forever creative, a mother, a partner, an amazing, extraordinary inspiration for all of us. Please welcome to our microphones, Michelle Aiken, master certified coach. Oh, you wow. Applause. I'll clap for myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice. We muted. Yeah, nice. that's a first. Thank that's you so a, much. I mean, I think we need to clap for ourselves instead of waiting for other people to. So that's, you know, something I'm coming around to See, now. Right there, we got everything we needed out of this episode. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Clap bye. for yourselves, people. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> so Michelle, you've been listening. You've heard Alex's like he had a huge win that moved in with him, and now he's got a you know tried this beautiful experiment went nowhere or is going nowhere yeah advice thoughts shares coaching well first of all i heard about your thing from a client of mine who talked about it to me and then i went alex Terranova, and she was like yeah i'm like oh <laughs> the, i know him the dating the dating one yeah. or this one yeah you know what? I'm not even sure. And I think she sent me something about it, but I, it was definitely whatever the point being, uh, people are talking about you. So that's nice. Um, and, and then the other thing I was thinking is just how much algorithms have changed over the last year and how much of a letdown most of social media is right now for everybody, for me and everybody, everybody. Well, and I got off of it also because it stopped uh, par- probably what spurred me getting off of it was realizing, oh, everything's different now and no one's seeing anything that I'm posting. And wait, why am I doing this? Why am I playing this game? Um, so the letdown of that started me on the the questioning before I decided to get off of it. But 
yeah, there's definitely something happening right now where uh, it, it, there's probably sure there's always something about the way you launched out of the cannon not hitting, but also everyone is experiencing this not hitting thing right now. Everyone I talk to anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's well, thanks for sharing the that that first piece. I think that is the that was the thing that was who I was being about the first one too. I, I think there's a big piece about the being part mm-hmm. right? who I was being about the dating one was a lot louder just in, in how it was showing up all over. And it was contagious. Mm-hmm. People were, you know, wanting to talk about it one. It was, I was a reality show for people in a, in a way. Right. Um, and there's a gap there. So I agree with you. I think social media is a lot different than it used to be. And I was never as successful as you've been on it, but it feels different. It doesn't, and yeah, it doesn't feel as even as connecting as it used to yeah. maybe because of what you're speaking to. Yeah. I think there's, I think, and there's oversaturation and this is what happens. I mean, this is why I'm not on YouTube because YouTube 12 years ago is very different than YouTube. Now it's, it's not even the same continent anymore. It's, it's a completely different entity and, and the way people use it is different. And there's kids growing up saying, I want to be a YouTuber when I grow up. And when I was one, that wasn't even a term that had been coined. I didn't know what to call myself. So there's like an early stage with things where everything is fresh and new and, and, um, untainted (laughs) and lovely. And then everyone gets on it and all of a sudden it's no longer the thing. So I'm kind of uh, sitting around waiting for what's the next thing going to be to get in on the ground floor of. Christopher, Christopher, you're muted or something's happening over there because we can't hear you. Sorry. I said, it sounds like my marriage. The the feel (laughs) I'm only, you know, I'm kidding. I love my wife. And the thing that I want to point to is we're, oh, I love so much of what you said. The first thing is, yes, it's not working anymore the way that it once worked, right? And I'm so glad to hear you say that because I thought it was me. And I think Alex thought it was him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, wait, this thing worked when it was about love, but it's not working about business. For me, it's about marketing, right? We used to, you know, put things out on the internet and people would respond. But now, probably like my own experience, there's too much. There's too stop much. texting me, stop emailing me, stop, uh, showing up on my feeds, stop everything, right? I don't, yeah. I don't listen to those ads anymore. And yet, how else do we get it out there? Right. So well, I've just, I was just very successful creating um, an in-person open mic. And I literally went around putting up flyers. I flyered. I had complete old strangers. School. Yes, old school. I had complete strangers spend $70 on two tickets for them without knowing me at all with having no experience of me, just saw the flyer, read the copy, was like, I want to go to that and scanned it and bought a ticket on the spot. This is this is so a question for me because I recently put a couple of ads on radio and TV because I, I was thinking, you know, where are people, where are people that they're not being bombarded? And I yeah. thought about, and you went to flyers. This feels flyers. like 1972, right? Like flyers and postcards. Um, yeah. Where are they? I must I have didn't, one. I didn't get much response, did you? But you've got a huge response from flyers and cards. I don't know if people listening uh, have video, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I made a really cute little thing. I also, I, uh, I put up big flyers and then I also walked around with these just in my pocket of my like jean jacket and then individually invited people who seemed like the vibe 
that I was going for. And a number of people that I handed flyers to came. That's and one of them said to me, wait, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a life coach for artists. And she's like, mm, I need to hire you. So, and I'm not, I'm not doing this for clients. I have a full practice. I've had a full practice for over a year. I'm not looking for people. So I'm really just doing it for fun. And so I have a, an audience, I got to the open mic part of the night and a bunch of my open mic people didn't actually show up. Cause it was like some curated performances and then an open mic. And so I sat down at my piano, which I lugged there just so I could play at least one song. And wow. I said to everyone, so I fooled all of you because you thought you were coming to an open mic, but you're really coming to my personal concert. So welcome. I just wanted to gather an audience for myself in real life uh, because to be honest, playing for people in real life terrifies me. Playing for a camera, fine, super comfortable, whatever. But I get in front of people and I'm shaking and it's really, it's like, that's where my edge is. So I really wanted to create that. But yeah, flyering, asking people individually. I talk to people, they're like, I can't get off social media because of my business. What would I do? I'm like, I don't know text people, email them, talk to them in real life, make friends, other things. It's actually more effective now because there's so much noise online. So we could, we could say that you're a community. Your, your whole theme is community building community. Yeah. Which and is what I, it was online, but that started to, you know, not be a thing anymore. Yeah. I'm also, sorry to jump in now. Go, man. Also, also the fun piece, right? Like you did this thing for fun, which yeah. is what really I relate to resonates for me is I could find a date. It wasn't a, right. It wasn't a problem. It was that dating wasn't fun anymore. It had yes. become this like burdensome chore. And I was showing up like I, some of the dates I went on towards the end, I was like, man, I must, I am the worst. <laughs> like, I don't know why anyone would go out with me again. And I feel like that I started to feel like that in business too. Like just trying to get the next client felt yeah. like just like, oh, another networking, another post, whatever. How do I make this fun? So mm -hmm. I love that we're on that same track of how do we like spice things up, but fun being the motivator. Yeah, I think fun has to be everyone's motivator. Uh, and part of the, when you do something like what you did and it works and then you try and repeat it in some way i've i have repeatedly had the experience that the second time i do something it doesn't go as well and i've had that for the last 10 years every time i'm like oh wait that worked let's do it again and it's like what got you here won't get you to the next place is so <laughs> true because it never ever hits the same way yeah i think well we because it at least for my experiences, it gets in our mind right now we're trying to think about how we did it so we can replicate it versus we were just chasing an experience or your um, agenda anyway. changes even I want to, I want to share this too. Cause I don't know that people know this. Uh, I don't know that Christopher even knows this. Christopher, Michelle was the first coach I've ever met in my life. So wow. I was not in coaching. I didn't know what coaching was. I knew what like someone like Tony Robbins was right. Like I knew like that guy, you know, but I went to a networking group in New York city and Michelle was there. We I can't really imagine early. what she thought of you. What? <laughs> we were both really early. Yeah. Really so we were wandering really like around like, where do we go? What do we do? But I got to say, like the coaches I met after Michelle, a lot of them were really weird and not cool and not fun. And the guy I was then, the only way I would have been open to something like this would have been cool, fun, attractive. And I met Michelle and I was like, wait, this lady's attractive. She seems really cool. And, and she was shyer than... I, I was surprised, like now knowing her, she was In a lot person, shyer. Yeah. Shy. Yeah. Yes. But there was still this, this, who she was, I still got a sense of like her business card, her vibe. And that opened me up, right? That first 
That was the first coach I ever met. You were the first coach I ever met. Yeah. I knew I was the first AC person you met, but I didn't realize I was the first coach that you met. Or maybe you told me that when I was on your podcast, but I don't, it was a while ago. I don't remember. But that's neat. Been on other people's podcasts? I have. That's, uh, I want to go back to something because it's so true. So, yes, you're attractive, you're cool, you're uh, interesting, but you're also, Michelle Aiken, perhaps the most positive, joyful, and accepting person I've ever met. Oh, I don't know of, I can't think of a single time that I've interacted with you in any kind of environment, professional or otherwise, where you haven't been uplifting everyone around you. I tend towards the opposite. So yeah. I'm very eager to hear what, was there a shift in your life? Was there something that either happened or like a, an aha moment or a, a magical transformation that took you from normal human to like uplifting, positive, intimately connected to the universe? Or were you Probably. just born this way? No, I, uh, well, I will say in terms of like family dynamics and everything, I'm definitely the peacemaker and, and all that. So uh, there was a lot of tension growing up and I was always the one, I was the funny one putting on shows and distracting everyone from the serious stuff that was going on. Um, and I think that through, through my AC training, through spiritual work that I've done, I've transmuted that from something I do to protect myself, to just like kind of embracing the part of that, that is actually who I am and isn't, isn't for protection. It's just who I am. You know, I, I've, I've struggled a lot over the years with feeling like I'm too idealistic, gullible, um, easily manipulated, things like that. And, um, and come a lot into, uh, trusting my own intuition more and, and knowing that, you know what, actually the part of me that's really agreeable is, is, is a, um, it's a skill to be able to do that and to like, what can you get when you're the friendly, agreeable person, but add in a little bit of assertiveness and like knowing who you are. And I've like secured an apartment at a much lower rate than what it would have been when my husband got so mad at the lady that he was ready to give up and just move out. Uh, Cause my husband's the opposite. Like he'll, he'll be disagreeable and he'll, you know, <laughs> he'll get taken out by stuff that I don't We're We're exact opposites in what, what hooks us exactly the opposite. So everything that hooks him doesn't hook me vice versa. Um, and I realized in order to partner with him, I can actually not, uh, crap on myself and say, oh, you're too idealistic. You're too nice. You're too whatever. And use that instead as, as something that's an asset to my marriage. So a lot of the work I've done with him, I think has really, has really led to me embracing that in myself as something that's a good thing and not, not something that makes me, um, I don't know, less than others. Uh, for Christ's sake, we're back to, you know, I'm just teasing. Um, we're back to self-acceptance is the key to everything, right? Yeah. Allowing ourselves yeah. allows others. Well, and even more than self-acceptance, like um, embracing it and, and, and taking it on, like, no, this is who I am. And it's funny because one of my, one of my essence words is ease. And when my coach gave it to me, I laughed at her. Wow. I said, lady, you got the wrong girl. She's like, well, I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't say this about you. Everyone, you know, said it. I'm like, I don't know. They're, they're taking drugs. I, I'm not an easeful person. This is not who I, it's not who I knew myself to be, even if I was having that impact on other people. But, uh, now I tell my clients that story and they laugh. 
they just like, how? Like, you didn't know me then. I was a lot more tumultuous inside. <laughs> In, internally, right. Internally yeah. Tumultuous. Internally tumultuous. Excellent name for your next album. Ooh, yes. Alex, you're going to have to fight me to get in here because I just want to talk to Michelle the whole time. Well, I, I'm not going to fight you. Um, <laughs> that wouldn't be fair. You're, you're older. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but Michelle, what I wanted to ask you about is I love that idea about how we perceive ourselves versus how others perceive us. And I think that no matter how much work we do, there's still going to be, a, it's still different, yeah. right? Because we can't see ourselves from the outside. Um, what have you learned about that in your relationship to yourself, how other people perceive you versus how you feel about yourself versus yourself? Uh, there's a lot. I mean, every time I talk to someone from high school and they tell me things like, oh, you were so well-liked and I thought you were the coolest. I'm like, I thought I was a complete loser and no one liked me. So I don't, and they're like, what? So I had a completely different experience than anybody, you know, and I think that's probably true of all of us, but I was picked on and, and really like bad stuff happened to me. So from my purview, I'm like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, sure, I guess I can accept that I've clung to this idea that I was wronged and, and that high school was a really bad experience and all this stuff, because that's just been part of my story for such a long time. Uh, and to let go of it is almost embarrassing. It's like, well, I can't, I can't deny that that was how it was because I've talked about that for so many years, but that's kind of how our, our stories run. I think as you were asking me that question, I want, I actually really wonder, I don't have answers to this. I'm just wondering what impact it's had on me that I've been making content for 17 years and posting it online at this point. You know, I say, I take, a, I took a break from social media. People are like, oh yeah, I'm so sick of it. I'm like, no, no, I've been doing it since 2005, you know, so, or whatever I, I'm maths. Um, but I've been making stuff and then watching myself back on video for such a long time and putting it out and seeing comments and then becoming friends with some of the people in the comments or having trolls, having stalkers. Uh, like I've, I've had all these different experiences. So like, how has that affected my self-perception? Cause I, I'm very clear that the way that I sound in my own head is different. Even if I watch this podcast back or listen to it later, I'll go, Oh wait, I thought it was going like that at the time, but here's how it sounds now now that I've had some distance from it and it's really different. So I've had that experience for a really long time that must've had an impact. It's such, it's, I, I totally um, resonate with that idea. Like I show up somewhere, I give a talk and then I hear how people saw me and I'm mm -hmm. like, wow, I thought I just bombed that. And I was yeah. awful and seemed uncomfortable and stiff. And you hear this, I think that it's great um, I think that's one of the best things about doing like the co-training program or having people around us, like you two around me and all the other people we know, because we do have that thing reflected back to us all the time. So it's yeah. not up to us to decide who we are, right? We get to choose who we want to be, but we get to have this thing tell us, wait, no, this is who you are. This is what we actually see that you might be missing. Right. Yeah. Even um, I have a lot of clients. I, I just, any, anyone you work with really, do you ever have someone who talks and then when they're done talking, they're like, sorry, I'm rambling or something like that. I, I had a client who did that a lot and I would just go, can I just share an experience with you? Um, 
you speak, I'm listening, I'm following, I'm tracking. And then suddenly you say something like, I'm not making any sense or something like, what's, what is that? Just to reflect the disconnect between my experience and their experience and to have a coach do that is great, but to also just be around people who are willing to say that and actually have the ability to see that that's happening and point to it. Cause I think everyone knows that it's happening. Like, you know, people who aren't trained know, but they don't necessarily have the distinctions to be able to speak words and communicate it, which is actually how AC training was for me. It was like giving me language for something that I have. It's like, I've known how to speak French my whole life, except I couldn't actually verbalize it. I just understood it inside French being ontological coaching. <laughs> but yeah, you finally have words to describe. Just trying words. to communicate. Yeah, I'm trying to put the more pieces together. Yeah. So uh, first of all, we should say the AC training is that of Accomplishment Coaching, longtime sponsor of this here yes. program. You can find them at accomplishmentcoaching.com. Um, I want to I want to take it in a little different direction, if if you don't mind. And I feel like I want to also later go back and pick up a couple of pieces that you dropped earlier. Um, one of the things that I want to talk about is you, Michelle Aiken, have an amazing, I don't know how you do it, you have an amazing ability to churn out content, different things all the time. And I always run out of time for everything, right? Mm -hmm. So I have an idea to write. And so I write like 17 pages and then I'm done because I got to do, go do something else. You actually you do you're you're famous in so many ways right you're famous for comedy pieces that you did back in the day you're famous for beautiful musical covers songs you wrote everything that you play and sing and that's not something that you can just knock out you got to like practice and rehearse and write and do things you're also famous for fan fiction that you've written and this is like something where you develop characters and and you know plot devices and and storylines you're also put, putting people in real life together now that we can all do that and recreating community there. You also have a coaching practice. You also have a family. How do you do all this stuff? What's your, what's your secret to time management? And what does a day look like for you where you're just like, while you're coaching, are you writing songs and tending to the child? That's it's really interesting. I'm like, what does my day look like? Uh, over the years, I have gotten very disciplined around my schedule. And I wasn't when I first started, I would schedule clients at 10 PM. I had essence calls on Saturdays and Sundays. I did 12 essence conversations in seven days. My first time, my first week out of the coach training program. I always tell that to the participants and say, don't do that. Don't do that. This is a cautionary tale. I almost died uh, <laughs> from exhaustion. Um, I don't coach on Mondays ever, ever. Like I won't, I won't move that. Um, if a client calls me and there's an emergency, I'll get on the phone with them, but I will never schedule a coaching call on a Monday. It doesn't happen. I have acupuncture, I have guitar lessons. I have anything well-being related has to happen on Monday. Um, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I coach pretty much stacked all day long. And I always take an hour for lunch. There's never not an hour, maybe on like one day of the week, there's like a little extra 15 minute meeting in the middle of my lunch uh, with some of my fellow leaders. And then on Friday, I typically don't coach either unless I got sick on a Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday and had to push it. So like I have this thing now where there's three work days a week and very few exceptions and they only happen on Fridays. And, um, and I'm, when I'm done at the end of the day, I'm done. Like I shut this laptop, I leave this office, I go home. 
Um, this is an office outside of my house. That's another one. I also, uh, my mother-in-law moved in with us right after the baby was born to help. And then we decided to keep her around. And so using everything I learned at AC, that's accomplishment coaching for anyone who doesn't know, um, all of my leadership development and, and team dynamic training, uh, I used to create a partnership with my mother-in-law that was not instantaneous. I get really annoyed when people say, you're so lucky. I'm not lucky. This is not the lottery. I did not win the lottery. I created some, it'll be like, here's my amazing painting. And people are like, you're so lucky that you have this painting. What? What? I get so annoyed. Okay. Huge pet peeve of mine when people tell me I'm lucky. Um, because I created that with blood, sweat, and tears in partnership with my husband, who also went through this training, um, tons of therapy around it, tons of spiritual healing, all, all these different modalities, all these things that I've worked my butt off to be able to afford and get into my life. And thank goodness, because it never would have happened. I don't think I even would have accepted her coming to stay with us in the first place. I wouldn't even have been having a kid. Let's be honest. I wouldn't have been married if I hadn't done all this work. There's no way. And you can look back and find YouTube videos of me saying, I will absolutely never have kids. They exist. I did not want a kid. So, and I absolutely love being a mom now. And then my kid is the best kid in the whole world. Um, but I have a lot of help is the bottom line of it. And uh, also my brother-in-law lives with us too. So we essentially um, took both of them in. We all lived in a two and a half bedroom apartment for two years. Uh, all of us, that's not all okay of us. Yeah. We now live in a huge house and, you know, we all have our own space. And the fact that we were able to make it work at all inside of that little apartment with the, with the new baby and with me working from home is, you know, not luck <laughs> again, wow. but we, you know, we pay for their lives where we support them. They're, they're basically like my two other kids financially, not in relationship, right? We're, we're equals and we're all a team, but my daughter is being raised by four people. So she's got her uncle, she's got her granny, she's got her dad, she's got her mom, and we're all very involved. And we were constantly working on our relationship. It's not a set it and forget it thing. It's, it needs nurturing. And I need to have a relationship with my brother-in-law that's like separate of the group. And then I need to have a relationship with my mother-in-law that's separate of the group and with my husband, obviously. So we have, my husband, and I have one or two date nights a week alone. We take Amelia out every Wednesday for kids night at her favorite restaurant. And then we do other things. I'm taking a music class starting on Thursday with my brother-in-law. We're both gonna learn music production uh, together because we're both musicians and we're like in our separate rooms playing guitar, but we like don't do anything together. So I was like, hey, take this class with me. We'll learn music production. So I'm building a little village because I, I really have come to understand that women were not meant to do motherhood by themselves ever. This is not how it worked in the past. And I think now we have a lot of people trying to do it themselves and have a career. And it's, it's damn near impossible to do that and maintain your sanity and your happiness. I married one of those people. Yeah. Right. It's <sighs> a lot, right? Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I want to ask you about that. It's Cause I think people that it's really, um, it feels easier to create relation, powerful relationships with people who have done not just accomplishment coaching, but you know, my, my relationship with Evan, Evan's done so much work on herself, whether it be through therapy or coaching or, you know, or just retreats that it makes our communication, right? Even when we, when we run into to issues, Christopher loves when we have issues, um, 
that we're able to navigate out in a way that I never have been able to yeah. in a relationship before because we have we have a shared language and we yeah. and we actually talk about this all the time. And and when I relate to my mom, I have that too. My mom's a therapist. But then when I go to my relationship with maybe my dad, or my brother, or my brother's wife, it's more challenging. Yeah. Right. And it's not. And so I'm curious about like your brother-in-law. I don't think he's done. I mean, I don't know yeah. what he's done. And your and your mother-in-law. How do you navigate or work? I think there's so many people that have that, right? That they're struggling with somebody who hasn't done the work or doesn't have the language. Mm-hmm. How do you really connect and communicate with them on a level that it does feel equal and it, it does become empowered? I think you have to lower your expectations in certain relationships of like the depth of it and where it's going to go, because not everyone is going to be able to be in the kind of conversation with me that I can have with my husband or really anyone at accomplishment coaching and and like separate of even family friends. I have plenty of friends who haven't done a ton of, not a lot because most people who are around me are around me because they've done some work and they see that in me and they, maybe they want to do the program at some point or they want to get in, they want to be well in their lives. So they're like, maybe if I hang out around Michelle, I'll like be more well because I'll be influenced, which is true, right? We, we influence each other really uh, easily, but I think um, if you want everyone in your life to be able to handle a deep ontological conversation, you're just going to be disappointed all the time. And and I felt like that for a while where I was like, oh, my mother-in-law needs to do therapy. And she w- she like tried it and then was like, nah, not for me. I don't want to know anything more about myself than I already know. And I was like, fair enough. And she, she goes to a chiropractor and she goes to all kinds of different doctors for different health issues. And she's found what works for her. And I had to release my death grip on, no, there's a way it goes and you have to do it the way that it went for me. Even with my husband, like he didn't stay in coaching. He took the program. He did a little bit of the leadership development track. Um, the first time somebody like left the coaching practice or said yes. And then said, no, he was like, F this I'm out. And, um, (laughs) but he didn't want to be a coach, you know, it was not what he wanted to do. He was sort of just, and he's very good, which is so annoying. It's so annoying. He would be an an amazing program leader. He's got an eye and an ear that is like beyond, it's never what I see. It's, it's always different and really, really brilliant. Um, so that's annoying, Justin, if you're listening, but it's not what he wanted to do. So it's like, oh, he's found different things that really work for him that are not what worked for me. And Okay. <laughs> but that's, that took me a while. It just really acceptance, like accepting their journey, their path. Yeah. And that everyone's in a different place and not everyone's ready to hear something. And I remember Jody, one of our other program leaders told me that once a, a graduate called her eight years later to say, I get it. Eight years. Like, Oh, that when she told me that, I feel like that did something in my brain and and kind of released this expectation that everyone who goes through a year long program has to like, I don't know, become a dragon by the end or something like, no, we're going to do as much as we can in this time period with this person and plant a lot of seeds. And some people will blossom in the middle. Some people blossom eight years later. Who knows? Maybe never, maybe in the next lifetime. So do you have a list now of people that you're waiting for that call? Like you're just <laughs> and Alex on it. I feel like nah. Christopher, if, if people have lists of people that are, they're waiting for like an apology for Christopher's on a lot of people's lists. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, first of all, people are falling in love with you as we have. What's the way to reach you? And I don't mean in a creepy way. Mm, I guess How my do- website, my newsletter, 
So okay. michelleaken.com and like contact me there. Cause I, I do. The only thing I do right now is my newsletter and my podcast uh, monthly ish, the break up with your bullshit podcast. If you've learned nothing, it's that you have to articulate and spell things for people. Okay. Michelle is M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. Aiken is A-K-I-N, A-K-I-N. Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, Aiken, A-K-I-N.com. Um, is coaching creatives? So you work with creatives, you like to surround yourself with creatives, you invite people to a, um open mic, right? You, you create events, especially for creatives. Is it different than coaching normal people? Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. No. I, I think the only difference is that creative people tend to be overly sensitive and I'm talking about myself, like overly sensitive, very sensitive to rejection. So it's kind of like this weird curse because you, you have art inside you and you want to share things with people, but you're also like extremely tender and very reactive and really terrified that someone's not going to like you or your art. And so I like helping people kind of transcend that and get to the place where they recognize that their message is stronger than them. And, and it's like, it's stronger than fear. And they're just going to go because they have to. Also, my my actual answer to your earlier question, how do I do all of this, uh, is I can't not. It's it's compulsive. Uh, I can't not do it. I I can't not practice piano. I can't not be doing something. In fact, when I when I stopped doing creative things, when I was really in heavy promotion for my event, which was not inherently creative, it was more logistical, and I hate that. I got a little depressed. Like I I I had this one morning. I woke up and went oh, this again. And then I went, what the hell was that? Uh, And I checked in and went, oh, I haven't written music. I haven't written fan fiction in like a month and a half. And then I started writing again. And then those thoughts went away. So I have like, I don't have like clinical depression. I just have like low key, low moments in time when I'm not creating. So people who are super creative have all that and are also usually not um, 
neurotypical, though I heard it in a training, no one's neurotypical. We all have something going on and some people right. just manage it better. Um, but uh, yeah, they have like all these things and they think something's wrong with them and they don't typically reach out to other people for support. And I'm sure as I'm saying this, this sounds like a lot of other people you've worked with, you know, and it's just, they have something they want to say in the world and it's creative and they can hear me because I've done it. So I, co- I either coach people who are already doing a lot of that or people who are sort of closeted creatives that they, uh. I had a, I actually had a corporate client who's like, uh, just want to tell you, I picked you because I saw that you were a YouTuber and I don't know if I'm allowed to talk to my boss about this, but I really want to do that. And you know, like people have like secret passion and they, they want to explore it. And it really, I feel like it does open their life up and make them happier when they're doing that. Beautiful. I love, I, yeah. I love that piece that you talked about the create, like the creative dip kind of, mm-hmm. um, I had a, a realization for myself that the, on the weekends I would get like sad. I was mm-hmm. happy that it was the weekends cause I could like relax, but I would actually kind of fall like you. I, I, it's not a depression. It's just like, I kind of say like, I'm, I'm, I ride at one level and then it drops off at, at yeah. points and it's just not at the same level. And I know that it ends after like a day or two. Um, but what I've noticed in paying attention to it is usually it's connected to creating. Yeah that when on the weekends, when I'm like, I'm going to take time off, I'm just going to, you know, take walks and enjoy myself, whatever. Then I actually get sad because I'm not creating. Yeah. Um, and finding that, that balance of how do we create and not have it be work. Right. I love yeah. like, you're going to like a music class, a guitar class that doesn't sound like work. It's not, but it sounds like creating in a way. Yeah. It's just fun. Uh, and I haven't really heard anyone else say that this described mm. that way that I, that I feel like you'd, and so um, thanks for saying that because I'm, I suspect that there's lots of other people out there that are like, why do I get sad on the days right. I'm not working or when I'm on vacation or the times that we think we're supposed to be happy, like a weekend or on vacation when we put our stuff down and finding yeah. ways to blend our creation into those things in a way that's serving and not working. Well, and yeah, and then we, we try to get, it's basically like the dopamine hit that comes when you finish something or you accomplish it, or you, you make something happen. And then on the weekend, it's not, it's not coming anymore. It's not here. And so maybe I'll go have a drink. Maybe I'll go do something else to like have that feeling. And, and so we take in things instead of putting out things. And it's like, it doesn't bring the same satisfaction whatsoever. And, and people do an all or nothing thing with creativity. Like, well, like you were saying, Christopher, like I, if I, I spent some time on this, but now I have to move on. And it's like, I think everyone needs some sort of creative hobby that is general, genuinely a hobby and people will tell you to monetize it in some way people, which is why fan fiction is great because you can't monetize fan fiction. You will get sued. So it's a perfect thing for me, but even, um, I'll tell you, even sometimes people give uh, concrete constructive criticism in the comments. And I say to them, Hey, I'm actually not interested. I, I don't want to get better at writing right now. It's not one of my things. I'm trying to get better in every other area of my life. I'm trying to stay the same here and just hang out. So, so I, while I appreciate that you took time to think about this and tell me, you know, what's wrong with my story, uh, please next time skip it because I'm, I'm not, I don't care. I'm actively not caring about that here. 
And that's hard to do because it's like, well, I could take a creative writing class and get even better. And that's true. But I could also become a painter and I could go to school for makeup and special effects makeup for movies. And I could work on a documentary. And there's so many things I want to do. I'm at my daughter's gymnastics class. I'm like, you know that those round offs look really fun. I mean, I could learn how to, it's like, yeah, I could do everything. I literally could do everything, but what do I actually care to get better at? And you just have to focus on something. So I'm trying to get better at guitar. I'm trying to get better at music production this year. I'm not trying to get better at writing, but it is a hobby. And so if I wake up a little early on a Saturday, I sit down on the couch with my laptop and, you know, just start writing and, and wherever I get to is wherever I get to. So I need that in my life. I, I, I realize I wither if I don't have it. I'm really, that sort of addresses my earlier question about your days, because mm -hmm. I appreciate that the, you know, the first thing I heard you say was discipline and organization and clear boundaries, not only with client time, but non-client time. But what I'm hearing now is, you know, I'm, I'm reflecting on my own life as you talk about yours. And I don't think, you know, if I get up early, I'll go for a beach walk, I'll go sit at a cafe, I'll do something that I, I enjoy. I was, I was struck by your, the, your thing about the hobby because I was like, do I have hobbies? You know, I like part my kids all over the place and I like run a company and stuff, but I don't have the, the creative urges that you do, or at least I'm not recognizing them. So I'm sort of like looking in my own life for, for what they are and what I'm doing with my time that's more, you know, I'll watch a show or I'll mm -hmm. uh, read a book or I'll, you know what I mean? It's, it feels like taking in instead of, putting out and I'm just enjoying that. Alex, do you hear anything for yourself in this? Because you got a lot of free time. It's it's funny that you were saying that because I was like, well, baseball is kind of Christopher's hobby. But then you said the next part and I was like, well, no, that's more of him taking in like entertainment and someone else's yeah, right. Like you're you're appreciating other people's athletic abilities, but it is a taking in. Um that's so interesting because I don't know that I have any hobbies that I like I don't consider I don't think exercise is a hobby mm -hmm. I get it that doesn't feel but I, unless it was most, like dance you're learning tango and it's also exercise I feel like oh, there's an idea them. next adventure yeah. yeah I don't have a lot of um I don't have a lot of things that I do just for the sake of like they have a purpose right like to to Michelle to your point like I don't um I remember when I was a kid, I was like, I want to take guitar lessons. And my mom was like, great. My parents were like, whatever I wanted, you know, if they, if, if it was, you know, affordable basically. And I was like, great. So my parents put me in guitar lessons. I'm like two, three lessons in. And I remember coming back to my mom and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's and, hard. She's, and yeah, it's really hard. And she's, um, and she's like, why? And I'm like, well, I wanted to play guitar. Cause I thought girls like guys who play guitar, but like True. girls like me anyway. So I don't need to do this hard thing. Um, and I remember like so vividly, like it was about that, right? And I remember like I've gone like rafting or, or things like that and somebody being like, let me show you how to do this. But I'm like, I don't need to be good at this. There's no reason I need to be good at this and I don't care. And I noticed for me, if I don't have the like what the why, mm -hmm. it's hard for me to actually want to do something. Mm -hmm. I did notice though, Evan got, has gotten me enrolled in playing games, which I feel like is is not i hate game like i do not like games because there's no what for just to be what like, are we oh, talking here like like doctor I, patient or that's I a different game. game no 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 board games <laughs> like, 
Yeah, like board games, word games. Like, I just don't see the purpose. Like, who, like, with the, the Wordle and stuff that people do, I'm like, great, who cares? I hate um, Wordle. I'm just saying, I don't like word games. And like gambling that. always had a, like, oh, you can get money, but I don't. Got it, got it in three today. I don't care. <laughs> but like gambling had a purpose because you get money, but like games, I don't really get the purpose. Um, and Evan kind of said, you know, sometimes when we're like, when you're just, we're like at a restaurant or we're sitting at a bar, you have to fill the space with conversation, right? And there's always this need to do, right? You have to be doing this thing. And she was like, games are kind of nice because we can just sit and be together and be participating in something together, but we don't have to be like talking and, yeah. you know, continuing to share and go deeper and deeper. And we connected it because I really like sitting at a bar. I love just sitting at a bar and hanging out and she likes games. So we combine the two things and now we'll go to an outside bar I love it like a picnic table and play like a word game. But even now, after losing to her every single time, the mm. why became I need to beat her so bad. That's fun. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't your why com- competition? Because that's my why for board games. Now it's become that, but I'm learning that. Um, well, you have that's that a hobby. No, yeah. I mean, I it certainly can be, especially if you then make it into a thing where other people are coming and doing it with you. And, you know, it's like, I, I love that. I love that like community thing where a bunch of people are together doing something. But I think the big thing about finding a why is that you often don't know your why until you experience it. And we ask people, you know, what for? And they have such trouble answering that. And for most of my clients, I, I skip that conversation completely and just have them go try something because, um, they're not going to necessarily be super connected with the why, or they're going to have some kind of weird why that's, very much they're what they think they should do it for. And then you get into it. And, you know, I started posting fan fiction and all these people were reading it. People who didn't know who I was because I read under a pseudonym and they were enjoying the story. And they're like, can't wait for the next chapter. And that felt great. And it was neat, especially for me having had an audience and then to be anonymous and have people still like me. I was like, wait, what? What? I could have a different audience who doesn't know who I already am. That was very fulfilling for me, as was the fact that as I started writing, I was like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I could be way better. I'm not like some acclaimed novelist or something, but like, I I got something. There's ideas coming through me that I don't know where they're coming from. I'm enjoying my own story. People say, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. I literally comment, me too. Because I have no idea. I'm an improv writer. And by the end, people are like, wow, I love how you foreshadowed this. And I love how you strung this through the whole series. And I'm like, part accident, part pattern recognition as I was going and making it seem like I planned it all along. Like, that's just how I write. Uh, But so I'm discovering some things about myself. I'm able to sometimes take situations happening in my life and weave them into the story. So there's a therapeutic aspect. So I didn't know the what for of writing fan fiction until I did it. I want to go back to, oh, sorry. Do you have a call? Go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't know if you had something. After you. No, after you. Um, I want to go back to something because what other things I have a friend who I have a friend uh, and he goes and talks to his kids um, school and uh, like career day. Right. He's got one of those careers where like it's about money and banking and stuff. And he said all the kids, all they want, nobody's interested in any of the traditional or untraditional professions. All they want is how do I become a a social media star and like an influencer and get my Lamborghini. Oh. So I want to write. 
I thank you for making that noise because that's how I feel inside. Yeah. So for as a as a veteran, as an original YouTuber, when you talk to kids, young people, people coming up who want that sort of fame and fortune immediately and and all that goes with it. What's your advice, thoughts? What do you want to tell people? I mean, are- I don't I don't like to give those kids any advice because they're not going to listen to me and they're going to go do whatever they're going to do and they'll either be successful at it or they won't. And I know I have learned that fame is not good for me and chasing fame is even worse. So they, which once you get famous, you can only lose it. Like you, I guess you can get more famous, you know, you could go from 14 million to 32 million or, you know, but you're in a constant state of chasing and a fear of loss. And for me, for my personality type, that's, it's really bad. And I know it's really bad because as I've gotten away from it, I'm healthier. I'm less anxious. I mean, my anxiety completely disappeared. Actually, it's kind of back now, like different things happened in my life that like re-triggered whatever. But like I was spending most days managing anxiety of since especially in the early days when we were, my friend Grace and I were really popular and I'd post a video and it was like, comment, comment. This is how fast the comments came. Like upload live. Just, I mean, that's crack. It's crack. It, it's like, and then it's like, good comment, good comment, good comment, good comment. And for every good comment, I would go, phew. And for every bad one, I go, oh no. Look what they said. I can, I could recite verbatim things that people have said because it is in my brain. It just lives there now. Uh, I've had many therapy sessions about these things. Many, I've tried a lot of different things and I've just been like, you know what? I feel like I'm just the type of person that can't handle this. Then again, I don't know that there actually are people who can, um, without people say, how did you deal with that? Like I drank a lot and I smoked a lot of weed that's how I dealt with it. It wasn't a healthy thing. It was, um, it was like being addicted to drugs. So anyway, that's like, it's like telling kids not to do drugs. They need to go do it and, and, you know, struggle with it or whatever. But I think some of them will end up, end up finding their why as they're working toward it and have it, have it work. The only, I think the only thing that works are, are when people have a really strong why, even if you go viral, that doesn't matter unless you then follow it up with something. It's like people who win the lottery and then go broke. It's the same thing, same thing. Anytime someone says, I wanna go viral, I'm like, okay, we're just gonna snatch that right out of your goal list. No, no, no. Uh, it's like saying, my goal is to win the lottery, my goal is to be struck by lightning. No, because everyone who's gone viral didn't mean to. And I know, because I've personally talked to a lot of them. They didn't mean to, it was accidental. It wasn't even the thing they wanted to be known for. They hate that piece of content. My most popular pieces of content are the things I hate the most. And my least popular stuff is the stuff I love the most. And I poured the most into typically, typically, not always, not always. I have some exceptions here, but like in the days of YouTube, when I was popular, you know, when I was a cool kid. So a, I shouldn't try and B, I definitely shouldn't try. Yeah, basically. Cause it'll come out in the wash. I think, um, I think those kids will realize and, you know, have their own little journey with it. And yeah, I I've had a lot of people be like, can you talk my daughter out of this? I'm like, absolutely not. A, <laughs> and I suggest you stop trying. 
It's so good. And there's there's sort of a package that many coaches are going. Sorry, this is a follow up. And Alex, yeah, like yeah. I said, you're going to have to fight your way in here, man. There's a there's a package that coaches seem to want. Right. I'm going to uh, have coaching clients. I'm going to have an online, you know, uh, presence and an online community. I'm going to have my podcast. I'm going to have my events and I'm going to have a TED talk. What's the reality of this? In a book. They got to throw um, a book in there. What'd you say? They got to throw in a book in there. A book oh, that they magically right. wrote right. even though they don't write anything. Well, or, or I'm going to contribute to a book because it's less work. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the I think the issue isn't that they want to do all that stuff. We could get into that part. The issue is that they want to do it by tomorrow. And they think they should. And they look at people like Marie Forleo and they're like, well, she's got all this going on. I'm like, Marie Forleo was trained in 1999, first of all, as a coach, was a bartender, asked every single person who came into the bar if they wanted to be on her mailing list. She was on Wall Street. She also worked for Glamour and a few other magazines. Like she was um, just a big deal in the world. She created a career for herself. She didn't just sit around posting on Instagram and being like, why haven't I built my business? It's like, she's a hustler, you know, and she's a smart, frugal woman with a really big heart. And she went through a big downfall recently and then has sort of, and is like, is building herself back up now. Yeah. She made a big, big mistake, right? (laughs) Like a public one. And I, I, I reference her because when I met her um, and I, I, I got hired to do a documentary that was about her. There were a bunch of like five minute documentaries about all these different people with interesting jobs. And it was right when my mom had gone into the hospital after having a stroke due to a brain tumor. So all these things were happening at the same time. I just gotten hired to do all, I had quit my full-time job, hired to do mini documentaries, $500 a pop on all of these people. And I, I also had to start paying my college loans. My mom couldn't help me anymore because of getting sick. So I lost, I quit my job and then had this extra debt and then got hired for this thing, but then I had to be carting myself from Brooklyn to New Jersey constantly to go to the hospital. So I was, I brought my laptop and I'm like in my mom's hospital room and I was like working on it. And I showed her Marie Forleo's raw footage. And she was just like, she's special. You got to meet her. And I was like, okay. She's also a life coach. I've never heard of that. And, you know, it was the first time I ever heard the term. And I was like up late at night, managing my anxiety and fear about my mom by working, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I kind of like hunted her down and uh, found her on Twitter. And she had like all of, I don't know, 7,000 followers at the time, something like that, like whatever. And she freaked out because I was a woman doing this, uh, doing like stuff that, I mean, now tons of women are, are in tech, like way more than when I was doing it. Uh, but she got really excited and then took me out to lunch and, and then we started working together. Um, so I got to see her go from, from that. And she was already like doing really well. She had already been in with Tony Robbins and like on his DVD series that you buy and get, it gets mailed to, you You know, she was on his new money masters program and all this, but I got to work with her and see the inner workings of that. Um, and so I'm, I'm very, she was, she was 36, I think when I met her and I'm 37 now. So I think sometimes like, oh yeah, wow. I met Marie when I, yeah. Okay. And, and I kind of use it to level set my own expectations about where I should be and also tell other people that. So I, I've been at this for a year and I just really, I'm like, <laughs> sorry, you think that's a long time? Do you really? Cause it's really cute. 
that you think that that's a long time because this stuff takes this stuff takes a long, long time to get, get good at and to really build a, a foundation and a network for yourself. So the expectations people have that they're going to write their book, do their TED talk, create a crazy social media following, go viral, um, get featured on every platform. It's like, no, you probably just need to pick one thing, focus in really hard on it and keep focusing in on it, even when it's not working. Cause my YouTube channel, we were doing it for two and a half years before we got traction. And I mean, we were doing it every day, every right. day for two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> I say that, you know, it's funny, like our ego does this, that, like refuses to believe what you're saying. Right? I know. And because I know. I, I'm hearing this for my clients, for the outside world, I'm hearing this for coaches, I'm hearing it for myself in the places that I still refuse to like to believe it, even though I've seen it, right? I've seen the same thing yeah. you talked about. I've seen a, a random post of me and my dog go viral and then never been able to replicate it. And then yeah, there's nothing... like so sad about it, right? Yeah. Like, and again, to the same thing, the dating experiment to trying to do it again, right? That went viral in, in its own little way. And the the roller coaster that this takes you on, it's like a high five yeah. to like being, you know, body slammed, like every two, you know, and it's, and you get way less high fives than you do get body slammed. Uh -huh. um, and even in the process, right. Of in, in, in writing a book, like a four year process to get a book written. And how many times did I have to sit and go keep going? Because every time I got feedback, I thought all that they wrote were telling me was that I was dumb. Right. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see the feedback. I just thought, mm -hmm. Oh, you're dumb. You're not a good writer. Yeah. Um, so thanks for sharing that, you know, from your, from, from your play, from your experience. Um, I know Christopher wants to talk about community, but I want to ask you something for like the coaches. I know a lot of AC coaches listen to this podcast. Um, a lot of newer coaches. If you were going to, aside from getting trained, right. Aside from going through accomplishment, coaching, getting the best training you can get aside from that, they've done that. They've gotten the training. They've done AC. What's the, what would be the one thing that you would have new coaches focus on to improve and like actually create a business. Remove your agenda when you're meeting people. It's just poison. Everyone can smell it. They smell it before you even start talking. Um, I think it's fine to go somewhere and have the intention of meeting clients, potential clients. Like that's fine. But to go and be weirdly attached to the idea of it happening makes you weird. Don't be weird just be a person. And whenever people ask me, how do you get clients? I give a, the single word answer of relationship. That's the, that's the answer relationship. And then there's lots of ways to form relationship and they're not, whatever you think you should do. Don't do that. I should be, I should be better at LinkedIn. Should you really? Why? Do you like LinkedIn? I, anytime people, are, I've talked about this many times, but people are like, I should be on Twitter. I should be on Instagram. And I'm like, that's like a, that's like a, that's like saying I should move to France. Have you ever been there? Do you hang out there? Do you speak the language? Do you like the people? Is that where you want to live? Because if you don't like it, don't be on it. And plenty of marketing people will argue with me. No, you need to be on multiple platforms. I, I don't know. I just try in my business not to do anything that I wouldn't want to receive as a consumer. Like, um, at, even at my event, I didn't do name tags. I hate when people put name tags on me in an event. I'm like, oh, here's your name. tag. No, I don't want it. I, it ruins my outfit and, um, and it's annoying. 
So I don't want name tags and I understand their function and I get why, and I see like all the benefits, but I don't like it. So I'm not going to do it or a raffle. My friends were like, do a raffle at your events. And then people need, I'm like, I feel so burdened by raffle tickets. When I go to events, I get so anxious (laughs) about them. And then I'm like, do I leave now or do I stay for the raffle? I don't even know. I don't know. It just creates all these weird feelings for me. So I'm just not going to do that, even if it is a good idea. So any, yeah, that, that's my other like main thing is don't do things that you wouldn't want as a consumer and figure out what you do like as a consumer and then offer a lot of that. So perfect. So perfect. I just want to shout that from the hills it's along with what you said fame is not good for me chasing fame is even worse that's like brilliant gold i do want to talk about community though because i noticed that i eschew community and i think there are people like me god god help us all the the thing um that i'm pointing to is you seem to be naturally inclined to community and i heard you say it's work but you know, living with your mother-in-law, living with your brother-in-law, that's a person I tend to want to live without other people and away from them. So when I hear it, it sounds a little foreign language-y. I guess my question is, um, I avoid probably from fear, right? I'm not on social media much, at least not with anything that I really think because I don't want to be attacked. I don't like haters. Well, that's not- probably smart, honestly, especially given your role. I, I don't know. It's probably smart. <laughs> well, right. So a lot of people got roles or the things they want to protect. You know, I, I talked to yeah. somebody who said, I can't say that as a woman, or I can't say that as a woman of color mm-hmm. or things like that. Right. Where there's something to that. It feels like it needs to be protected. And one of the things I've always admired about you is you seem um, not exactly unafraid, but unwilling to be overly protected does that does that resonate Mm -hmm. or do you want me to say it a different way yeah and i I, honestly i think that's because i've just had the experience of not and so i understand the benefits back to our you figure out your why once you're in it same i didn't i didn't want to live with family i didn't even want to come back to new jersey where i'm like close to my siblings even though i love my siblings but like justin my husband is extremely family oriented. And it, when I was dating him, he'd be on the phone with one of his sisters for three hours, or he'd be talking about, um, his autistic brother, Janin, when like, there's going to come a day when we're going to need to take him in, or, you know, that, that probably will happen. I remember the first time he said that to me and I was like, I did not sign up for this shit. You know, I was just like, are you kidding me? And we're going to, what with your family? I'm just trying to get away from my family. You know, like I'd rather like go live my own life or something. And, um, and I don't know, through experience really, like maybe like immersion, I realized some of the benefits of it, a lot of the benefits of it and started to come around. It took a long time. It took a really long time. Cause I'm contrary to what most people think. I'm pretty introverted back to your thing, Alex, when you met me and you're like, oh, she's kind of shy. I'm pretty introverted. I can be very extroverted, but then I need to go away and not talk to humans. And my whole ride home after my event last week that I had, I didn't even listen to music. I just had to like sit in silence because I was so overloaded by having been around people. Um, Yeah. So I didn't, I don't have a natural inclination toward it and doing it online I didn't have to actually interface with those people other than over text. So that's different. 
but I got to see the benefits of it. I got to share my experience of losing my mom through blogging, which was my first form of therapy before I had the money to hire a therapist. Um, and on the day of her funeral, I had 500 people reach out to me. I know because I counted the, the messages. I got 500 messages from strangers that day to, of condolence, sending me their phone number, telling me their stories. Uh, if you ever need a call, just call me. I've taken them up on it a few times. I had like pen pals, basically email pals during that time who I would just like offload on and they would offload on me and like we'd help each other. Um, I learned that I had anxiety because I explained my symptoms on Tumblr and I refreshed the page and had 49 comments saying, hun, you just had a panic attack. And I was like, what's a panic attack? <laughs> so I basically was like raised by the internet and this community and I got to see the good things that happened from it and even met a lot of the people in real life. I went to someone's wedding. She's like, I'm sending you a, a wedding invitation to your PO box. That's on your YouTube channel. It's kind of a joke, but also, you know, if you happen to be in Texas and I was like, Hey, uh, Justin have Mexi her screen name, um, <laughs> wants us to come to her wedding. He's like, where is it? Austin, let's go. So we went to Austin. <laughs> We went to a wedding. You know, we had people, complete strangers move in with us and, and like live in our space. And some, some were hit or miss, you know, like, and some more big hits, Emily Gleish, who did the coach training program. She was one of the people, she moved from Minnesota, came right to our house, ended up living with us and then did the coach training program. And we're still like really good friends. She's one of my favorite people in the whole world. So yeah, I think just back to, I understood the benefits because I was immersed, be it family or online community. And so it's not that I'm not afraid. I think I just really know what's in it for me. So I, I have experience being unprotected and, and I know what comes of it. It's a, the thing that I'm taking, and I'm interested in what you're taking, Alex, is that community is essential and that your message again and again, Michelle, is to participate, participate mm -hmm. in your life, participate in, you know, the world and get out there and it, it'll work sometimes and it won't work sometimes, but it'll never work if we just sit around, you know, right. wondering what's out there. Alex, what are you taking today? Well, something that seems interesting is that, and I think I can say this about you too, Christopher, but that all three of us inherently are more introverted than extroverted, <laughs> but the world would not think that about us. Right. You know, I go to, um, I mean, my coach often says like, you got to create something that it's like the coach that hates people. Um, and because I, it's love like, that. I, I don't really hate people. My expectations for them are so high that I just feel like constantly sad when I'm like around them. And I feel like they're not being authentic. I feel like people are actually just like brushing the surface of any conversation. It's also exhausting to go deep all the time. Um, we're, you know, when we look at out in the world, it's like, we're just doing such horrible things to each other. Um, that it's so being with humans feels like my soul is being like leaked out of my body. And, um, and yet like, I want to create, I want to, I want to make things, I want to share things with people and help them be better. And I think that obviously applies to you, Michelle and, and Christopher to you, but I think it's so interesting because what people see is so not often the truth with so many people and they're so surprised. So how do we create the things that we want inside of the way that we are? Like, I don't need to go become extroverted. I actually don't want to be. 
Yeah. Right. There's no desire to go be with humans all the time and go to concerts and like networking groups and all this stuff. So how do I create the impact that I want and still get to kind of be more, you know, like with one other person or two other people most of the time. Um, yeah. And I think that's part of creation is not just the thing you're going to create, but how are you going to create it and put it out into the world? Yeah. And like, what's back to fun? Cause mm-hmm. earlier when I said for two and a half years, we did this every day. I don't mean we were working hard. I would video edit at my job all day and then come home and be like, Grace, let's film a vlog. And which one of us is going to edit? We take turns editing and we were, we would edit and like, she'd be in her room giggling at whatever she's editing. And she's like, wait, it's not done yet. It's not done yet. She'd be like, okay, come in. And then she shows it to me and we both like piss ourselves laughing. And then we post it. We really don't like, we cared what people thought, but there weren't a lot of people weighing in. So there wasn't a lot to care about. The first right. time we ever got a comment from a stranger, she texted me to be like, we have a comment from a stranger. You know, it was a big deal, but we were just trying to make each other laugh. So it didn't feel like work because we were just playing. You- and also there wasn't a, a context around YouTube that you need to become a star because that wasn't a thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about your opinion on, do you think there's a both and in here around like, I love creating podcasts. I love creating content like videos and putting them up on social media or YouTube. Me too. Um, I don't love the everything else that goes with it, right? I, I'm a creator. So I just like creating and I like putting it out there. And it is hard sometimes to be with that. Like, oh, I created this thing that I think is great and no one's paying attention to it. Yeah. Um, that you can have a healthy relationship with, because as I'm listening to you, I'm like, I should be off all social media mm-hmm. and just have a podcast and maybe just have my a YouTube channel that I dump it's so on nice. it's that so I nice. never go look at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But then I'm like, am I, am I letting, am I letting go of this piece that I like creating and sharing it just because yeah. of the, the negative side of it? I'll tell you my plan, my loose plan is that I'm going to be completely off for the rest of the year. I told people I'm taking a break. They're like, see you in a month. I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm like so happy. I'm, I'm not trying to go back. Um, and even when I log on just to look at something for accomplishment coaching, cause I'm the social media director now, I don't touch it by the way. Like my team does everything. I write content. I send it to them. They put it up. I don't touch it. Sometimes I have to go on and like handle something, but that's it. But when I go on, I feel the pull and I know it feels like being pulled back to drinking when you've stopped, which I'm not drinking. So it's like, it's like, oh, I could have one, but then what? Mm-hmm. Well, four. And I don't have a good answer to those questions. So until I have a good answer, I'm not going back, um, which I'm, I'm estimating will take a year for me to have a good answer to that. But when I go back, it's not going to be like it was. I'm going to have a team kind of like the way actually what I'm using social media director at accomplishment coaching for is as a model for how it could go in my business where I'm not actually on there. And I have a team of people who are helping me with the content, keeping me accountable, posting it for me, monitoring the comments, responding to people, and I'm not touching it, which goes against a lot of marketing advice that you need to be in there and you need to be the one and the being in there is fun, but it's also extremely draining and triggering and like all these things that make it unworkable. So I won't be back the way I was. And then I've got people, I missed you. And Oh, I'm like, well, you got 17 years of content to go back and look at. I'm not deleting any of it. Have fun because I'm done. <laughs> you know, I can't do it. Well, I'm so curious to see how this, like, I want to jump forward. This is so reminding me of me going vegan for a year and then mm. year two, which was so easy and so like great. And I felt better. And then year two, I was like, 
I'm going to be like 90% because I want to be able to like have ice cream or pizza, you know, once in a while, but it's 90%. It's like almost always. And then year three, which is this year, all of a sudden it's like 60%. And I'm like, oh my God, my relationship to food is kind of like, I'm like the alcoholic who like stopped drinking for your year and then went, I can have one. Mm -hmm. And then one became two. And because I'm not doing anything that's hurting anyone, no one's really, but I know I don't feel good about it. And I know it's not working for me. And so I'm curious, right? Social media for you feels like it has that like food. It's that's food for me. 100%. Um, So I'm curious what happens, like what the next evolution is. Me too. Uh, Which means we'll have you back. Yeah. Yeah. (gasps) Okay. Nice segue into the end. See what I did? I did. Uh, I want to, I want to give you the last word today, but I, you know, one of the other things that I'm taking, you just said, which is we were just playing. You know, when you talked about you and Grace and I'm like, oh man, there's the key right there. Get back to play mm-hmm. and creativity will flow. So now that I've got my last word, <laughs> what's the parting thought or shot you'd like to leave a few thousand coaches with today? What would you have us take with us or gnaw on or think about or what challenge do you have for us? I think like um, take what you want and leave the rest is a really great way to go about consuming anything from this podcast to anything else, even to me saying that, like, I think we've become so conditioned to listen to what other people say rather than listening to what lights us up about what they said. And it's not like, I don't know, people want to follow directions and I get that. Uh, cause it's really comfortable to follow directions, but I don't know. I've had, uh, ideas that Gary Vaynerchuk is talking about that I had 10 years ago. And I'm like, damn it. I had that idea. I was doing that. I was living that life. And he's giving that as advice now because he was living it too at the time, but I was too scared to stand on a platform and say that that's what I believe because no one else was saying it at the time. So I think looking inward at what do I, what do I really have to contribute? That's different. That's like just mine. That doesn't feel like it will be accepted and then go hard in that direction. And, uh, and also not listening to anyone's advice, including everything I just said, but listening to whatever in you, it sparked. Beautiful. Thank you so much. That's Michelle Aiken. You can find her online at michelleaiken.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-A-K-I-N.com. Or you can uh, also go and do a coach's training program on accomplishment coaching and meet her that way. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Alex Terranova, author of Fictional Authenticity, creator of The Dream Mason podcast and The Dream Mason. You can find him at thedreammason.com. He also contributed to a book called Redefining Masculinity. What would you like to leave us with today, sir? Well, apparently I found out that I'm a loser for doing that, Christopher, contributing author. Oh, yeah, you you definitely (laughs) did that. I knew that that was a, a slight. I wasn't sure what, but I was sure it was a slight. I have, I have a real book. So it's, it's, and it has accomplishment, you know, and accomplishment media was the publisher. So, you know, I have, you know, Christopher's allowed. And I did say I would beat him up because he's old, you know, so we're, it's, it's the, the teeter totters balance. I understand. Um, Michelle, thanks for being with us. So great. I'm so, I'm, I'm just so present to like how we never know how things, how things in life go. And we always have this way that it's supposed to go, but like meeting you, totally, you know, had my life going a different trajectory. I remember having dinner with you and Justin when I was in like in a different relationship at a different time. Um, Might've been the same relationship at a different, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So 
Yeah, I'm just sitting here with you. It feels like almost surreal. And we've done podcasts together. It feels just a little surreal to see how things have evolved. Um, mm. But yeah, thanks for your generosity and your heart and your creative spirit. My pleasure. All right. Well, that's another edition of the coaching show behind us and lots of love and acknowledgement. Uh, we are here each and every week bringing you people out on the cutting edge of coaching, people who are pioneers, people that you just need to know about because they're interesting right here on Accomplishment Media or wherever you get your podcast feeds. I thank you, dear listener, for being with us and we will talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.